Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared, and joining me tonight are Sean and John. How are you, Sean? Yeah, um, all right, I guess. Uh, a bit shitty about having to go into a full lockdown for four days, but that is the world. How are you, John? I'm good, but I'm very jealous that it's only four days when it's been two and a half weeks for myself living in the city of um, the centre of Sydney. So, yeah, good. Bit bored at home. As someone from Melbourne, all I have to say is suffering your jocks <laughs> because four days and two and a half weeks are sweet FA compared to uh, what we've been through in the last that 12, 18 months. So I know exactly what you're going through, boys. Hang in there. You'll be right. Thanks. Four, four days with a toddler is longer than two weeks without. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd accept that. Yep. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> all right. So... The usual shout to start the podcast. Anyone listening, please subscribe to the Celtic Down Under podcast in your favourite podcast app. We really appreciate that. We've been seeing some great growth in the last month. So if you're listening and you haven't subscribed, please do so. So what we'll do is we'll jump straight into our first topic. We've got the press conferences that happened last Friday. So what I'll do is we'll just have an open general discussion on it and then off the back of that, we'll just touch on a few separate topics, okay? So, have you guys both listened to it and mm-hmm. seen mm-hmm. what was said? Yep. yep. All right. So, I'll throw to you, Sean. What was your first thoughts over the whole press conference, the fan media one and also the one with the regular mainstream media? Yeah. Um, it's, the guys, it's, the two of them spoke relatively well. Uh, it seemed to be well rehearsed. Um the <clears throat> Mackay did that thing where when he doesn't quite know the answer or doesn't want to answer it, he just talks around the question. So he's clearly uh, well-practiced uh, in these sort of things. And uh, Postacoglu, the, my favourite one was when, uh, I can't remember what the exact wording of the question was, but they asked him about stepping up a level coming to Scotland. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've managed the World Cups. What? what, what uh, that's your opinion, I guess, kind of thing. Uh, I thought that one was pretty good. But uh, I listened to the whole unedited uh, stream and, and as the fan media were coming in doing their, they had one question each, I was like, the first ones were like, oh, I know that, that's the Axum guy. Oh, cool. And oh, that's, oh, the, what was the other one? Um, I forgot the, the boys. I forgot the name of the, the guys. I'm like, yeah, I know them. Oh, yeah, in 20 minute terms, there they are. And, and then as it kept going, I was like, who, who, who are these guys? 
like, why are we not there? How do we get accredited? I've not heard of most of these people. You know, I'm guessing they might have all been on that axe in 24 hour, but we were asleep for a lot of that. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the issue for us is we're in Australia. So unless Claire can go to these things for us, we don't have anyone to rep us at those. Well, it was all on Zoom, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It was actually at Celtic Park. Yeah. Some of it was oh, in. was it? Oh, yep. Oh, it was all live, at, all live at the stadium, so that's the issue. Uh, okay. Oh, we should get accredited for Zoom ones. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what did you think of it, John? Yeah, very similar thoughts. Um, I thought Ange spoke very well. Um, I was, if anything, I think most fans afterwards have been um, a bit uplifted by the way that he speaks and his passion. He's clearly got a very, very clear idea of what he wants to bring to Celtic. And that really came across in the sort of way he answered questions. Um, yeah, I agree. Don Mackay sort of um, uh, d- went around certain questions he didn't want to answer. But the, w- the way that I looked at it is he's, he's there also to protect the business of Celtic from fans as well as the general public, right? So he might not want to, because I know he's got a lot of criticism online and stuff. So yeah, I, I I think he's perfectly entitled. That's why he's there, right? That's supposed to be what he's good for. Um, yeah, I thought the, I, I, if I'm honest, I thought the difference between the mainstream media uh, journalists and then the sort of podcast fan journalists, if you like, there wasn't really much difference in class. And that really goes to show how um, how much of a wave the, this new media is with, you know, podcasters like ourselves and stuff. It's like, there's, it's all opinions, right? So a sports journalist is, really by the sounds of it got as much credentials as anyone who follows a very particular team and watches them religiously. I think there's, I really didn't find there was much to it. There's a couple of cringy questions from the fans and equally cringy from the mainstream media and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I was quite impressed by the, the entire thing overall. It was good yeah. to actually get the, the, mm. the fans in, I think as a point. Yeah. For me, I'm looking at it going, the only difference coming off the back of what you said, John, was that, the mainstream media, it's more, okay, so your first game's in 20 days. You need th- you need this, you need that. And it's just talking around the edges where the questions from the fan media groups, it was more, this is what we want to know. Who's going to be in your backroom staff? Are there going to be incomings and outgoings? So it was a bit more detailed and specific. Mm. That's the, That was the difference I found listening to it. It wasn't... If, say, if, if I was to go there, I would have had a list of maybe 20 questions I wanted to go through. And I reckon listening to it, probably 18 or 19 of them would have been ticked off by everyone who was there. So it was great to see that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I agree. I agree exactly with what you're both saying there. And <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I, I thought, just, I've only just thought of it now when you're talking about that, the, the nature of the difference in the questions that were coming. Like there was no, there was certainly, if anything, the fan media were actually better informed with the the information that they were basing their questions on. Uh, whereas the, your mainstream media were more kind of, oh, here's our procedure that we follow. These are our cut and paste questions that we have to ask to keep the... And, and the nature of that is that they have to keep Celtic and uh, Celtic staff on side with them because they have a relationship that, that's a, you know, it's a reciprocal... I forgot the biological term. It's a symbiotic relationship. Uh, whereas the fan media seem to be more just cutting straight to the point, you know, like, well, we're not making money from this, so we don't really give a shit if you fall out with us. There's another guy behind me that's going to ask the a similar question, you know, kind of thing. And that that was good, I think. It, it was more sincere and more honest, which is not to say that they, they gave a direct answer to those questions. They but it is good to actually have those questions asked. Um, the one thing that when most of the fan media were asking questions was Mackay kept, he kept uh, going back to, oh, we're making decisions for the next 10 years. And he, and he kept saying 10 years. And he, I think it was five or six times he said, next 10 years, next 10 years. Yeah, it was a drinking game. <laughs> well, yeah, honestly, it seemed like it. Like, that or modernization were your two drinking games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, like that's that has got to be. It makes sense that that has to be his job, but and then, but he also has to have at least one eye or at least a whole head of some other person that's focused on the the immediate uh, concerns. And, and right now, I'm 
I'm not even convinced. Look, without that director of football, I'm not sure we've got that right now, to be honest. And, and look, that's nothing to do with the press conference. I think that's just that's just an issue. And then he, he also reminded people that he doesn't officially start till first of July, which was yeah. I thought a bit of a kind of. It was. Where I'm not sure how. Like it's hard to tell what's going on in the background, but it was it was an excuse, and that excuse is going to expire tomorrow. So. Mm. What I liked was, yeah, but they went from the like the TV one or the upstairs one, then they went to the fan media, then they went to the red tops. So they gave them more of a, uh, you know, more of a, you're important, let's get you right in the middle. So I did like that. And what I also liked was where they had, um, you could see the beginning of a, um, of the beginning of the bromance between Ange and Dom. And all those memes after, find yourself someone who looks at you the way Dom looks at Ange. And I'm just like, these guys are on the same page. It's good to see unity after what we've been through as a club in the last 12 months. Yep, for sure. I, I, I think that was very good to see. Um, I I think as well with the fan media stuff, There's a. it's really good that, um, I mean, you could say that's Dom's influence, but it could just be something that from last season, Celtic board and the company as a whole really took on board, I guess, um, with the fact that they weren't communicating to fans and now they're bringing fan media into these sort of events. I think just what you were saying before about the type of direct questions that the fans were asking, I think there's an element of um, they care more, right? They, they, there's, there's more um, investment for them. They want to know very specifics. It's more, it's kind of like an AGM. And it'll be really interesting to see how quickly the mainstream media picks up on the type of questions that fan media are asking. And like, it could be direct quotes or it could be a shift in, well, journalism really for Celtic and, and maybe Scottish football. It could be, you know, they want really direct questions instead of this sort of, you know, keep, keeping the status quo type questions. Jackson wasn't very happy. Yeah, I was going to say, that? off the back of that, you see the reactions to some of the guys online and it's like bagging out the media, people latching onto that first question, which was embarrassing but was more of a rant than a question. Hmm. But to go through all the stuff that they went through and to then have the, the red tops taking quotes from the fan media thing but then not accrediting them is pathetic. Hmm. Yep, I totally agree. It's very. It's just. It's, it, but I think that's probably the nature of journalism at the moment. I, I, yeah, I was gonna say. To be fair to them, <clears throat> they wouldn't like give credit to like the Daily Record wouldn't give credit to a question from the Daily Mirror if it was nah. part of the same press conference. So, I, I think to be fair to them, that is consistent. But um, Keith Jackson did his own. You know, he does his own kind of article. Uh, weekly kind of opinion piece or whatever and he absolutely bagged it he absolutely bagged out Celtic for the decision like he was really like it was not in any way I don't I don't I think he's kind of just out of touch to be honest the, the way he, he approached it and the way he addressed it uh saying that it was cringy and all that sort of stuff like it was a playing to the uh playing to the crowds and all that sort of like I, I really didn't agree with what he was saying and I don't think he was judging the fan media on their merit just on as a threat and that's what they are and he's you know like if he should go down with some class is what i'm saying he, he yeah. may well be one of the best like but still go down but with that's dignity, the, man. But, but you said it it's because he considers fan media a threat and and he should he all all mainstream media should consider fan media a threat because we're we're the ones that are we care enough so we're, that's why there's this huge wave of, I mean, look, I think it's, it's, it's not exclusive to Scottish football and it's certainly not exclusive to Celtic, right? I think most big teams probably in Europe have some sort of fan media like this, right? But especially when we've been experiencing in Scotland, like almost like not fulfilling your due diligence or just complete negligence towards actually reporting the events that are associated with Scottish football because it's big British media outlets like Sky and BT and stuff, and they're far more invested in the English Premier League. 
we've, we're sick of it. So that's, I think, I think it's a very modern and progressive forward step for Celtic to start including, and it will get better. The, the, the fan questions will get better and it, it will become more um, focused and it'd be less ranty and stuff and <laughs> preachy, I guess. What yeah. I would want to see though, is if they're going to do more fan media thing, the only one thing I'd love is don't let it get to the way the, the way it is with some of the English clubs where it's there's only two or three particular ones who get invited mm. and everyone else falls by the wayside. Like I actually enjoyed having all those different guys there. Like there was guys on like the Celtic Exchange podcast. I've listened to them a couple of times, but I'm not a regular listener, but they're growing. They're putting the work in. So good on them for being there. They deserve that. It can't just be, okay, let's just have the Cynic, let's just have the 20-minute teams, let's just have Axe on there and maybe the four teams as like probably your four biggest ones. You can't just have them and everyone else just jog on. Like To me, that's not right. Mm. Can, I, can I just read the, the worst line from the Keith Jackson article? I just pulled it up here. <clears throat> it says, uh, Green lighting, this toe-curling embarrassment seemed like another bad error of judgment from a club which has been full of them over the last year. And that's in direct reference to allowing the fan media. I mean, my response to Keith Jackson is Keith, <laughs> shut it. <laughs> yeah, this is the same guy that tweeted that uh, everyone was getting their panties in a twist about COVID just a year and a half yeah, ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's some perspective. What were you, you going to say, John? Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think he's necessarily wrong in his assertion that <laughs> Celtic have made bad decisions over the past two years, 18 months. But yeah, to say that, including the new wave of media is toe curling is just uh, it's i don't think it's jealousy i think it's just he's defending his profession right or he feels like he needs to when he doesn't but yeah it's That's probably because it. he's just used to listen to rangers fan media and he knows what like. <laughs> yeah true but yeah it, it, it I, I thought um i thought overall i was really impressed and i hope they keep doing it i hope it's not a trial thing that they just been i hope it's progressed over the season and coming years and stuff. Hmm. Yep. I mean, if you look at look at some of the stats, like the 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 nineteen, like some of these guys pay for the the Opta stats and all that sort of stuff, and they come out with some of the most unreal, like detailed analysis that I've never seen in history from any media in Scotland uh, outside of these guys. Um, you can sometimes see it overseas for like maybe like. Sky Sports will give it for an EPL game or Spanish game or something like that. Whereas for um, a Scottish game, they'll be like, uh, yeah, that looks like a Dundee badge. We'll chuck it up kind of thing mm-hmm. for Dundee United. Uh, but no, they, these guys are coming out with just the most unbelievable analysis of players and games. And it's like, well, these guys aren't even getting paid. I mean, they might be getting something from like uh, revenue streams, but... Like if the Scottish media were doing their job properly for the last thirty years, then we we couldn't be filling that void. You know, exactly. like these, these guys th- these guys are able to do a better job because people at like Keith Jackson are not. Do you know what I mean it, it takes someone to do a bad job for someone else to do a better job? I totally agree, and that's and and I mean we're gonna get really fucking techie here, right? But like data analytics, especially in sport, is becoming such a big thing worldwide, and it's been really it's been around for for probably the better part of 20 years right the fact that i would even say that the traditional old school journalists aren't doing it so even like i, I agree with you sean that like bt and, and sky and, and might do it for the odd la liga or but even then it's not like detailed detailed right it's kind of because they're very you know fixed within the hour and a half slot that they've got for the program whatever it is whereas these guys um and like for example modern football that's a really good twitter account that does this a lot for all the scottish games but they're, they're spending hours, if not days, on this stuff. And it's incredibly detailed, targeted analytics, which will be the modern way in all football teams, including Celtic. And one of, one of Lennon's biggest um, <laughs> I was just gonna say yeah, <laughs> problems was he refused to even acknowledge that analytics was a thing. Oh, I, don't, I don't bother with that, you know, looking at stats and data. And stuff. What are we talking about? And I, I have to say... Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you didn't. As a little, as a little, a little circle about what we talked about before. Um, Gavin Strachan with his little laptop 
that's really what he's doing, right? He's, 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 <laughs> he's supposed to be looking at stats of players as they progress in the game and making informed decisions. I don't know how good that is. Clearly pretty shit, but... <laughs> but, but if he's uh, looking at it during a game and then he's telling Lennon, who doesn't give two shits about... That's exactly it. Yeah. It's going to go in one ear and out the other, and that's the proof right there. Yep. If you had someone like Brentford had, I think it was with, um, was it Thomas Franks as their manager? If my memory was right, I think he was the guy. He gets that sort of stuff. Mm. You have a guy, look, look at Tuchel. He came into Chelsea and you've gone from Lampard who looked at it but not at the same level as Tuchel and then he goes and wins the Champions League. Yeah. Perfect example. I come from a background of having grown up playing and watching basketball. Mm-hmm. The stats that you get in that from when I was a kid – is ridiculous. So coming from that background and then also watching football and being a massive football and Celtic fan, it's good to see this starting to come into it. And with my background, I I like looking at that sort of stuff and going, oh, we had this much percentage, but 10% of it was in this area of field. Oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. Not everyone's that much of a, of a stats nerd. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to look at the kind of – the movie Moneyball does a great job of showing the kind of – I know baseball is much, much, much more. Uh, it's not. It's not that the stats are more uh, important. It's that the stats are more obvious. Mm. Like it's easier. Like people hadn't created XG and X expected assists and and things like that at that point. Whereas in baseball, it's you hit the ball or you don't. You walk or you don't. You know, kind of thing. The stats are much more uh, black and white. Uh, whereas football is very much an evolving game in terms of how you can use different stats. And remember, that's why players now all have these uh, sports bras that they wear. You know what I'm talking about. If you've yeah. seen the Ukraine, Ukraine goal last night, the boy had one when he took his, his jersey off um, with their GPS and their heart rate monitors and stuff like that. Um, and it's just the way it's going. Like, And, and um, I'm pretty sure Brendan Rodgers hired one of the Celtic fan media people after he, he did a good stats write-up and... And funny ask the question said, about it. Funny that you mentioned that because I was just about to show you guys something on the screen. So I'll just say uh-huh. this was in the clearance bin on the Celtic store the other day. So I happened to uh, pick it up. <laughs> Brendan Rogers the official autobiography. <laughs> it was not it, it was like four dollars twenty five or something like that in the clearance bin on sale. So I'm like, why not? And yeah, one of the things I read, yeah, analytics stats, he's big on yeah. it. Yeah. You need to be. You, even if you're not, you need to have someone who is. Like again, that that's the the message of the the movie Moneyball is this guy is trying to find an edge, and and his edge is that he's going to listen to this guy that focuses on stats when no one else will, and and he sets records that when his budget is one tenth of the rest of the league kind of thing. And the the one thing that was interesting about what Postecoglou was saying was he was talking about how to get an edge, and he was the way he was saying it was almost as if. I'm not tied to anything. I'll do anything that will give me the edge. And but what he was also then went on to say was that in the past that edge has been sports science, and that kind of ties into the. I don't know if you read the or we lost our head of uh, sports science. Yeah, ago, the Leipzig. The Leipzig. I'm actually when I read that, I'm like, eh, no big deal. A lot of people probably thought different. The reason being. Ange coming from Australia, Australian sport is at the cutting edge of sports science for the football, soccer, whatever sports, it is cutting edge over here. We have guys over, I think it was in 10 Premier League clubs last season in the EPL, there was an Australian physio, strength and conditioning coach or something there. It's cutting edge, so Ange will know someone. So I'm not stressed about that at all. (laughs) Yeah, I've got to say, there must be like 50 plus graduates every year that are suitable for that sort of job and with the kind of money we're playing with we've got to be do you know I mean we've got to be competing with you know for the top 50 guys in the world do you know what I mean like not just the 50 new graduates every year mm. that's where I, I, I've often um, discussed like talked about this with friends and family and stuff I think that's where any modern um, team success comes from is the, the strength of your background stuff it has to be right because they're the they're the staff members that condition and improve your players. So even if you've got players that might be not to your standard, if you've got the best backroom staff possible, then that that really brings you up. I mean, I didn't know that about Rogers signing a 
um, Celtic fan <laughs> analyst. That's yeah. Good. I think he took him to Leicester as well. I think he took him oh. with him to Leicester. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. But talking about um, what's it called with the backroom staff? By by the way, this is a good little segue. One of the key things from the fan media thing that I loved was Andrew's response when he was asked if there's going to be changes to the playing staff and backroom, and he was like. I love it when he goes, like, just paraphrasing, I'm not guaranteeing people will be leaving like for the staff, but we may add people if if we need to, which could basically mean Kennedy and Strachan are here now, but they may be moved into other areas when I get my own people in and they clear quarantine. That's how yeah. I interpreted that. And then I also love when he about players where it's like talking about Tommy Rogic and then he goes, well, it's up to people that come in if they can do the job. Like people are going to want to move on, great. But if they want to stay, they've got to be able to do the job. If they can't do the job, they may fall by the wayside. So I took that as twofold. It's either get on board with what I want or you'll be shown the door. And if you can't, if you think you can do it and you but you're wanting to leave, who says I'm going to want to keep you anyway mm. if you can't do the job for me? So... Mm. I liked when he said that because I'm like, that shows he's the boss. That's what's going to be happening behind the scenes. So if he needs to bring in sports science, a bunch of physios, a couple of extra coaches, like you were saying there, John, about having a strong backroom staff, which gets you the performances on the pitch, if he needs to do that, he'll do that. If there's players there that want to leave, great. If you can't do the job, see you later. We'll bring someone in. Yeah. So... Yeah, I just think those were the ones that stood out to me that I found pretty pretty exciting answers. I I yeah. I, I agree. I think um that that answer that he gave um was quite telling. I think there's gonna be I think there's gonna be movement around there. He wouldn't he it would have been far more straightforward answer if he had a plan if he had a, a different plan in his head, as in keeping stuff where they are and stuff i think you're right jared i think he's going to bring in a lot of people that he knows from australia you know potentially from the j league and stuff um and look i, I mean i'd love this and uh, i don't know how much we buy into it i but i think if sean maloney, maloney came back as a director of football or some sort of similar capacity i think that i would i would be very excited by that i think that'd be for that whether that's has any merit or just you know shite rumors and stuff but because I can't really see him going from assistant manager into a director of football role, but maybe I don't know. But that'd be fantastic. That those sort of movements would be would be great to see. And he clearly has a plan, Ange. Some of these big clubs in England have like performance directors, and Scotland had one. And with that racist guy that took the job for a while, and uh, uh, we, we dare not say his name. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, like yeah. Sorry, moving on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think um, you know personnel change, and over time, that's what happens. And uh, what doesn't change as quickly as personnel is infrastructure. So if you can get infrastructure right, that that's uh, leads to more stability. And if one person leaves, it's fine. You know, you've got a lot of people taking up lots of different roles that can. Uh, carry the load for a short time until you get another person in. You know, it's if somebody's Next not cutting it, GDO, you know, Next on your way. Up. Sorry? Next man up. Next man up, yeah, exactly. And, and at the moment, the way we've been working for the last 20 years is, right, you're doing your coaching badges and you have a Celtic connection. Can you go take the under-18s? And then when the reserve coach leaves, you can step up there. And then when the first team coach leaves, you can step up. Do you know what I mean? It's just been a kind of nepotistic ladder from the under-18 coach for people with coaching badges and Celtic connections. And, and that's yeah, how- on, that, on that front, yeah, that's why I'm kind of glad Bruni did leave to go, you know, go to Aberdeen, play and get the coaching experience there. Because let's be honest, if you're Bruni with his history at the club, if he went straight into the 18s, You'd know he'd be on the fast track to the senior team in no time. And I'm glad he's actually gone elsewhere, get into a different system, get some experience while still playing. Hope he plays like shit against us, but <laughs> and then yeah, he won't. We, yeah, I know. But <laughs> hope so anyway. 
But then when he um when he retires from playing, okay, then he's just got to. I want him to do his do his badges. Like he's got his badges, but do we get the experience elsewhere? Then come home if he's good enough. I don't want him just given a job because I he's Celtic minded. He's mm. a club legend. Yeah. Look, the thing that all Celtic fans care about most is winning. Uh, people didn't. Yeah. People that some people hate. There was a Celtic fan. Uh, got done for punching Gordon Strachan in the face, and the his supporters bus had a whip round to pay his fine for him. Uh, that was what in the eighties or whatever. And then Strachan comes in and he wins games and gets us in Champions League. And now he now he's Celtic minded and and by extension his family. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like we, that, that's, that's an issue. We need to change from a nepotistic ladder. You know, it's just yeah. a straight ladder. We're, we need to change into a branching hierarchy, multi departments. Yeah. You know, departments that aren't connected. They might report up to the same person, but they, these departments can't. It can't just be a straight hierarchy. Do you know what I mean there has to be? This is your area. This is our area, and there's too much power with with individuals at the moment. I agree, and uh, we've discussed this before. But it it fucking shits me to tears when. anyone who's quote-unquote Celtic-minded or has some sort of Celtic connection gets linked with us. And and it always seems to be the same way in in recent years anyway. You have to be a Celtic fan or have a connection to Celtic to get a job. And I find that complete nepotism. We should be looking out... What was that? You've got to know the city. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. but it's all of that bullshit, right? Like, We should be going out and looking for top 15 candidates and getting and getting and going through a list of priorities and just and getting the best it doesn't have to have some sort of so I don't know why we feel like we have to do that. I, I feel it's, like we can do much better there. It doesn't even have to be anyone from football, like sports, yeah, science. rugby. Go, go, yeah. go talk to somebody in rugby or basketball. Like yeah. honestly, like rugby doesn't have as much money as football. The the best sports scientist in rugby is surely sports scientist from the AFL. There's some gun ones yeah. over here. Fuck, that'd exactly. be awesome. That's what we need. We need. There's no AFL way they're getting as much money as we can offer. We can offer. We could probably triple their wages without even blinking. Like, why are we not? Like, think outside the box. Do you know what I mean? Like, I agree. That's what we should be doing. And, it, and it's not just the coaching staff, guys. It's also. I'm just waiting for the uh, James McCarthy stories to start kicking on. That he'll crawl them to Glasgow to play for us and all that yep. sort of crap. Like that we get this time every <laughs> oh, year. Yeah. And the Paddy oh, Roberts yeah. stuff to pick up again and the Burger Melling articles and stories <sighs> every again. Every single year. I'm just waiting for them because James McQueen. In Groundhog Day, we're coming into that loop. It's going to start. Yeah, we should get a bingo card ready. We'll get yeah. a bingo cards with the names James McLean, James McCarthy. Uh, oh, Shane Duffy can't be on it anymore. Shane Duffy's uh, out now. Yeah, uh, Shake Evans retired. So, <laughs> oh, wait, no, there's. So, like, no, yeah, let's do it. Like, I think that I think that's <laughs> you're joking, but I think we should fucking do it. That sounds great. Yeah. It's gonna let's happen. Paddy Roberts, yeah. a quick you know, fucking somebody. Yeah. Uh, so, so talking about incomings, then we'll jump ahead to that. So apparently, there's talk of a four and a half to five million pound offer in for Mario Vuskovic at Hajduk Split. Split. Um, Aaron Hickey. Three and a half million, and apparently there's another one that I've just gone straight over my head at the moment. But apparently we've got. Oh, that's right. Nisbet has been on holidays with a bunch of the Celtic boys, and apparently he's potentially coming in as well. What do you take on that? Uh, Vuskovic is the correct profile for a player who can make a difference and will have a profitable return uh, if he does make a difference um, apart from that I, I can't say anything else about him to be honest um, with these sort of like these are the sort of players that back in the day would have been one two million and now, now the transfer market is the way it is we're now like four five six million for the sort of unproven players from Balkan divisions uh, but they're still Hard available to us I call them. sorry Hard bastards, get them in. Yeah, and not just that, but they're still available to us because um, we can basically 10 times their wages uh, and that's why they're still available to us. Even though the transfer fees are still are kind of on the brink because of the competition from England and, and places like that, uh, in terms of salaries, we can still 
slam the, slam all these countries and get the best in that sense. Um, he, he certainly fits the profile. And, and he's a right-sided centre back. So I just I just realised the other one I missed out on. So you got him as a right-sided centre back at nineteen. Then you got from Man City, you got Japanese centre back Ko Itakura, who's a left-sided centre back. So he's got one year left on his deal. Everything we're hearing, it's a loan, but unless it's a loan with a with a fee guaranteed to buy him, I'd do it, or I'd want to buy him on a permanent. I, I think we've had a lot of success with that Manchester City link in the past. Uh, you know, players that were brought in permanently, like uh, Boyata and um, Cham, have, even though Cham's. Yeah, well, uh, even though they've fallen off a cliff recently in Cham, uh, the players they've brought in permanently have been good for us, and the ones they brought in in loan have either been good or not good. Uh, but they've certainly, you know, we've not we've, we've had a good shake of it, is what I'm saying. Like we've we've not been done in terms of that relationship. I don't think we've had we've benefited from it, and, and I, I think, yeah, I think that's something we should keep going. To be honest, even if it's not necessarily where we see ourselves uh, in terms of being a big club. I agree. I think there's been a lot of criticism with our connection to the City group over the years, um, but I think it's done us in good stead. Um, I think, yeah, players and, and background staff and stuff, I think it's, like I understand we don't, it's probably, oh, well, probably one of, or if, if not the biggest football conglomerate, conglomerate um, in the world. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I think that's a good thing as long as we're not bought by them and then that's just us sold our souls. But, um, yeah, I think these, um, I think these rumors are positive. I, I quite like Aaron Hickey. I liked him when he was at hearts. I thought he was a good player. I thought we could have bought him then. Um, but he's, I mean, it's good that he's, uh, for him personally, even if he doesn't come to Zoic, it's good that he's gone away to another league and, um, you know, got that different experience and stuff. So I think that'd be a really good, uh, by if we do get him but yeah i it it sounds like and i'm a fan of a back three but it sounds like we might be moving towards having a back three maybe a three five two or a three four three or something but yeah instead four three three in the presser did they did you see yeah. that you said that's so his normal Rod- formation so rogers kind of yeah. yeah well when he was when he was victory coach he played a really weird formation in that season where he played four at the back then he had it was the most ridiculous thing. It was like a 4-2-4, four, four, but the way he did it, where it was four, then he had two defensive midfielders so that the wingers could, the wingbacks could push forward. One had pushed, the other one had hold, so it was like a back three. But then what he did was up front, he had two tens and then two wide, wide guys, so not an actual striker. So you'd come through the middle, you'd get it out wide, and then the two tens would be on the on the defense, defender's shoulders They'd run himself offside, the ball would go wide, and then they'd come in and they're back on side because the guys played him on side with the pass. Mm. So it depends on the on the quality he's got and the players he's got. He'll adjust it. Did he not do a really weird formo- formation for Australia as well? Did he not play like a 4-2-2-2? Two, two, two? He played yeah, a 4-1-4-1. He, one, one. It was to do with Tim Cahill or something. It was talking about playing to yeah. the strengths and using the weapons available to get an edge. <laughs> That's really positive to hear. Look, I think these formations are bizarre, no, like full stop. But I mean, it's positive. It's positive to hear that a manager um, is adaptable not only to the players that they have, but to maybe the opposition. That's kind of what you want, especially in Europe, right? It's like get a football manager or FIFA, and it's like create your own formation. Yeah, <laughs> that's, what, yeah. that's what it's like. What players do I have? Yeah, let's just chuck them in this way. <laughs> that's true. As long as we don't end up with Telmac at left back, we're good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so Does is he, he a right back or is Hickey a left back? Uh, he's a left he's back. Left back. Because yeah. when he was at Hearts, he was playing right, and apparently he can play uh, both. So whenever I've thought about him, I remember Tierney absolutely destroying him playing when he was playing he, right back there. He didn't do well at right back. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. In okay. the game, in the games I watched him, he was pretty shit at right back. If it's up to me, then I'd rather Doig than than Hickey at left back. Well, he was apparently what uh, Hibs rejected a bid of two, two million, two and a half, two and a, two two and a half. half from Watford. From Watford, yeah. So he's not cheap either. But I doubt we'd be able to go into Hibs and say, okay, here's four million for Niz, but here's four million or whatever for for Doig, and that actually accept it and give us both those players. Oh, I would hundred percent take Nisbet. Oh. Yeah, I'd take Nisbet. If I had to prioritise, I'd want Nisbet. 
but then at the same time, you look at it and go, okay, if that's the case, then you're probably going to end up with Hickey, which is still a good option. Hickey's good, yeah. I'm not gonna. Lie. I, yeah. I, would, I actually, I prefer Hickey over Doig anyway. But I would, of those three, I would, I really think we need Nesbitt. How much do you um, subscribe to Edward staying for this extra year? That's sort of been chucked about. No. Um, I can see it happening. I can see him stay until we get through the qualifiers and then being off at the end of the window in the same way Dembele did. Mm-hmm. I can Honestly, see that happening, but I can't see him hanging around the whole season. After how he played last year, I, I don't know if teams are going to meet our valuation. Well, that's and, my, and that's my concern about IR because apparently people, there was two bids that come in. That was actually one of the next topics was outgoings, but there's like a bid from... Who was it? Norwich and Bayer Leverkusen of ten million pound for Ayer that we've apparently knocked back. That's mental. And we've told them, "Give us fifteen, and he's yours." That's fucking mental. He's got a year left on his contract. It's nah. bold. It's definitely bold. We've got to remember. We've got to give a chunk of that coin to IK Start over in Norway as well. Yeah, but, what yeah, but this, this was so long ago, I think it would be quite a low percentage. Because yeah, then that was back when that was a kind of... Not more, it's not a lot, but we're still going yeah. to give a chunk. So if it's 10 million, you've got to give him a million of it. So you're really pocketing nine mm-hmm. for him. Oh, look, it's nine more than zero, but still, um, I, I, it's bold. They're playing a bold strategy here. Because uh, they might get nothing. They mm-hmm. could get nothing. They could get. They could just... These Both Ayer and Edward could just say, right, fair enough, I'll run down my contract. I'll, I'll sign somebody in January. Imagine Ayer goes for 15 million, then you give away your one and a half million to his old club in Norway. You made Virgil money, what we made on Virgil's transfer for Ayer. I yeah. think that's what they're probably targeting. And he's not probably, quite, yeah. it's not a Virgil class, let's be honest. Nah. No, but it's a different market now. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I, heard that the, I heard Edward, the, the Celtic had agreed a fee with Leicester. And it was Edward's wages. Personal terms. But, yeah, yeah, that's what I read as well. But I mean, I mean, look, I think Edward might go to somebody like Arsenal for a similar. Well, well, not if the issue is wages. That so, if the issue is not Celtic getting their valuation, like he could. So, if you think about it, like if a club is going to pay twenty million for Edward, and then he waits a year, then they convert that twenty million into his salary instead of being a transfer fee. Sure, and signing bonus, ten million signing bonus instead of paying twenty million transfer, they'd comfortably do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how he could save for another year. I, I, the only reason why I say somebody like Arsenal, which he's been linked with in the past and stuff, is because I think, I mean, I have no idea, but I would say that Arsenal's salary structure is higher than Leicester's, and maybe somebody yeah. like Arsenal could offer him closer to what he's after. Well, but, Tierney's just been re-signed at Arsenal for 110 grand a week. Yeah, he's worth that, that, though. Oh, I don't yeah. know he's and, that. And he's their best player pretty much by a long shot. Then that means they're probably scaling things back a bit on that front because they had Ozil on like 350,000 a week. Obama Yang's on similar. But mm-hmm. then if you're going to bring in someone like Edouard, what are you going to pay him? You can't bring him straight in and pay him more than... Tierney. So he's going to have to come in maybe 80 grand, which is still probably four times his wage at the club that we're paying him. Yep. I think I think everything's going to, I think we all kind of know this, but it's all going to kick off after the Euros, right? That's, yeah. We'll probably see these players fucking off towards the end of the Euros. The one that'll be funny to watch though will be Christy because he's only got six months left on his deal. So his contract's yeah. up in January. So he can sign a pre-contract to go to France if that's what he's looking at, to go to Nice or whatever now. And then we we'll well, probably have to model, yeah. And then we have to send send accept cents on the dollar and maybe take a million or two million for him or whatever to get something. But the thing with him is with how little he played at the Euros. If you got clubs looking at going, I've got a budget of five million for a midfielder. Oh, I could get Ryan Christie. But then there's this guy in the Ukraine playing well who you could pick up for four million. What are you going to do? And I'll have cheaper yeah. wages. You'll go get him. So potentially what's happened at the Euros could actually backfire on him. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, if, if somebody offers 500000 for Christie, you don't accept it. And, and not because you're expecting 
to get 500,000 of value on the pitch. The the reason is because it, you don't want to send that message to future players. Uh, you, you know, you're costing yourself long-term money there. Like it's if you send in a message that uh, we'll be held to ransom, then we're, we're going to be losing more than 500,000 in the long run. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If, if we, that's part of the reason for playing hardball is, yeah, fine. We are happy to take your time and, we're happy to take, not happy, but we're willing to take a year of your career. As, you know, that's... that's yeah, I'd, almost, I'd almost be a wanker about it and go, you know what? You want to play this game? Yeah, your your next six months, your contract is allocated to the Colts. Go have fun in the Lowland League. Yeah. yeah <laughs> if like someone else, go play him in the Lowland League for six months. Fuck him. That's in a cham yeah. punishment though, isn't it? That's why you stick in the cham if he sticks around. Yeah. Straight into the Colts. Yeah. 100% do it. <laughs> well, speaking of Encham, apparently there's been all sorts of rumours this week. So AK Athens' deal looks like it's broken down, but then I was reading this morning that it looks like it's back on now. So that'll I don't really care what happens there, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, just rattle off a few other outgoings. So we had Jack Hendry finally to stand for like $1.8 million. Armstrong Okaflex to Armstrong Okaflex to West Ham. Looks like Bolongoli is going to Alte SK in Turkey. Uh, yeah, Bolongoli, yeah. Yeah, the last thing I had you've just spoken about was since our last podcast, Edward to Leicester has broken down. So there's a bit going on both in incomings and outgoings. It's going to be silly season, I reckon, for the next few weeks. Basically, now Ange's in the building, 20 days to our, to our first Champions League qualifier. The camp starting next week. It's going to get a bit crazy over the next few weeks. So I think we might have to do a live show or something on, you know, transfers and stuff when the time comes. Yep. I think yep. that's going to happen for sure. I think, I think just, I mean, it's probably, I know no one gives a fuck anymore, but um, might as well discuss it. I think the champs screwed his career. I think he's ruined. I think it's a, such a step down going to Athens as, as far as exposure goes and, um, you mean uh, Athens is the type of team that you go and buy the best player from? You should be if you're Zoic. You yeah, know if what you're going to Turkey or Greece, you're done. Yeah, you know what he reminds me of? Jordan Shakiri started off at like Bayern Munich or something like that, right? Then went somewhere in Italy. Went somewhere in Italy. Then he's ended up at at Liverpool now or Stoke or whatever it was. So he's been looks like he's going down mm. for tears from top five league to whatever. And Chan was a Man City player on loan at Bologna or Genoa, whichever club it was. I think it was Genoa. So he was playing in the Serie A. We signed him. He's playing for us, doing well in Europe. If he leaves us to go to Greece, just go get a hammock, lay on the beach, collect your checks and just be happy. Looks yep. like he doesn't, he's not, a, not interested in his football career. Yeah. Look, Turkey, Greece, China, these are places where – Players' careers go to die, and they Australia. get the last last. <laughs> well, I was, and the next point was they get they get the most money they can, but that's not something you would get in Australia. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those, those three those three countries to me are the, the three places where, or mm, not so much Russia, maybe in the past, but uh, if you're going, if a player is going to Turkey, Greece, or China, it's uh, I want money, and I don't care about my career. Mexico, there's another one for you. Mm. I, I, even then, I, I don't think they get as or much the money M- either. MLS, there you go. MLS. Oh, yeah, MLS, I, yeah. I had that, chuck that one on the list, Chuck. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Klamala, five times the wages or something. Yeah, yeah. ridiculous. All right, so we'll just change gears for a little thing. We've had the um, the away kit come out this week, the green with the gold. It looks amazing in my opinion. But there was two other kits leaked. We had in our group chat a little bit of a discussion. Let's put it on the air here because... There was a couple of disagreements. So the the room at home top looks like the old New Balance Ronnie Dahlia era. Era. Era, that's the word. <laughs> <laughs> top uh, the green with the little pin with a little stripe either side of it. Not what I was expecting, but still a good top. What's your take on that one, Sean? Yes, as you say, it's a bit of a retread. That that was my main concern, was it doesn't have anything original to it. But it's it's good, you know. I'm not gonna lie. I'll, I'll, it's not my favourite. Uh, I've preferred the last three seasons home tops over this one for sure. Uh, 
the only one that I've really hated in the last 10 years was the the one where the hoops were broken into do you know yeah. one where it was like five broken hoops, hoops and one, in the arms or whatever yeah no no not that like the one where it was like the white oh it had like white. it had like a border yeah, twenty fourteen fifteen, where like oh, every yeah, hoop yeah. was broken into like five hoops, kind of thing. Yeah, that that was the only top. one I really. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to make the Celtic top bad, and that that was one of the ones that's done it, you know. Um, and th- this one's certainly not in the upper echelons, but it's, you know, that I get it's, it's unimaginative. That's all. See, but, retro tops are retro tops are good, right? Don't get me wrong, but yeah, you don't have to go retro from like six years ago or something like that because I've still got that top in my wardrobe just back there. <laughs> like yeah. I'm saving myself 120 bucks or something here. Yeah, yeah, and, and part part of the thing you have to do to be original these days is to to go watermark, and and it's hard to tell from that picture if we have done something along those lines. Uh, there was something in the collar. Uh, what was it? One set of our colours. That's what it was. Our, our city, our colours. That's interesting. Uh, but to me, that's more interesting than the rest of the strip. I I honestly think right, it's one of those things where you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. There's a there's I, I think. <laughs> So fans are divided straight down the middle. I think if you try any sort of originality, you get <laughs> slated for it. And if you stick to the same shit, the other half slates you for never being original. I just, I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it was imperfect. That point, John, to the third strip. I fucking like it. I don't know why that's such a bad thing. It's a nice, like smart a pinstripes. I don't know what's bad about it. It Fuck looks like hell. a candy cane, mate. Fuck. <laughs> It's a football strip. Why? Nice suit. Why come on? Green stripes. Unless the top, you can pick it up and lick it and it tastes minty. It's not worth it. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm probably not going to walk about in it. Um, do you know, it reminded me of, um, I, think it, I think it was Liverpool. It might have been somebody else, but it had like the red and white pinstripes. And I thought that looked yeah. dead smart. I thought, well, I don't know. I don't see the difference. And and a lot of people are saying, oh, the pink's fucking... But the, uh, <laughs> people are... Everyone's shaking their head. <laughs> They've taken the colours from the stained glass window at Celtic. That's a bit of history. I like that. That's a nice touch. They've just used the exact same colours from the stained glass window. I like it. I'm probably going to buy it. I'm usually this guy that defends those esoteric out there strips. I love that uh, one we had in 95 with the yellow flash with the green, you know, the one... The CR uh-huh. Smith yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. I, I'm the only person that I know that loved the silver one with the pink. Uh, oh, I yeah. That's, I know, yeah, right. I love that shirt. You that shirt and that's it. I, I love that shirt. <laughs> Honestly, I still wear it. <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, I love it. So I, I really do enjoy the out there strips, but I do not. I cannot go pinstripes. <laughs> I've never enjoyed a single Celtic pinstripe. The black with the green, the two ones, not. Don't like it. Yeah. Do not like any Celtic pinstripe one. I don't like any pinstripe strip of any team, and, particularly and John, the Celtic ones. John looks like he wants to have a rebuttal here for pinstripes. <laughs> I, I, I think they look smart. I think they. I think uh, I can't remember who it was who uh, made the point in the group chat, which is kind of looks like a baseball jersey. What the fuck's wrong with that? <laughs> it's a third kit, and what's wrong with looking like a baseball jersey? I think it looks pretty good. What's I reckon the badges in the middle as well. I mean, I have to. Yeah, that's a bit odd. But we've done that in the past, so you know, maybe the badge in the middle to, reminds me of, reminds me of the old Man United white one with the sharp yeah badge in the middle. It yeah. reminds me of that top, which I think was '99 season or something like that for them. Yeah, but I remember that. I think the top looks like a candy cane, and <laughs> I reckon it's the second worst top, like third strip we've had in the last decade. What was and worst? the worst one, Sean, was the one yeah. that you touched on earlier, the grey with the pink, because we no. never even wore it in a game and it was putrid. <laughs> and anyone who wears it automatically just looks <laughs> like, like they'd be better off wearing a Hessian bag. I love it. I bought the shorts and socks and everything. And I always think third kits are a bit like out there, right? They're never because I tell you another kit, another um strip that i really liked that nobody else seemed to fucking like off oh, oh, it was brilliant remember the third kit new balance pretty i'm pretty sure it was roger years where it was um the bumblebee colors but it was the bed it was the big zigzags oh yeah no, that one yeah. oh yeah that was i love that, that one i thought that was brilliant i don't know why everyone had fucking hated it but that would have been great if you're a forklift driver you just you probably top to work it's funny how like if you think about the original Bumblebee it was fucking amazing it and was. then when they tried to Over remake top. it in a different version it was awful and it was like 
when the How new balance did the ver- the version of it with the stripes and stuff but they were narrower they were like an inch thick instead of the thicker ones yeah. that was a bit average but yeah it's, it's, i tell you wonder, what why can you not just just copy it like just do the exact same and just re-release you, it like even yeah, then you get criticisms it. you get criticisms from the other half of set of fans saying you're not being fucking original you're just copying the old ones it's like it's lose-lose for a lot of, for these manufacturers <sighs> well, the way i look at it is the third kit's only really designed anyway for when we play hibs because every other yeah. team in the league we either wear our hoops against them but we, you can't really wear your hoops away at easter road our our away kit is dark green. Their home kit's dark green. You're not going to force them to wear their away. So that third kit is only for when we play games at Easter Road. That's pretty much it. Mm. So it's maybe a two-game-a-year uniform that's going to be worn. That's it. But still, I, it's disgusting. I think, I reckon, right, we would not be having this conversation if it was slightly different colours. I quite like how they've used the old historic stained glass window. But see if it was like black with white pinstripes. Yeah, we'd all be fucking going, oh, that's dead smart. Like, I'm getting that. Yeah, we would. Yeah, no. we would. Yeah, I hate all no. the pinstripes. Just <laughs> <laughs> the pinstripes. It's not the fucking colours. It's, 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 it's pure it's the pinstripes. Yeah, yeah, all right, so I just don't get like the silver and pink one. Of course it's not the colours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fashionista section of the podcast is... <laughs> <laughs> concluded. <laughs> concluded. I think it's... Uh, we'll agree to disagree on that, but... Yeah, I just want to see how it looks on the actual players, but yeah, could be interesting, but I'm not a fan. <laughs> so what we'll do yeah. to finish off the podcast, something we start on our last one, was we have a final thought each. Oh, sorry, before we old. do that, uh, yeah. Jared, can I do the answers? Oh, yeah, the... your quiz, yeah, read it out. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. So so I posted on Twitter um, to na- name the seven uh, coaching coaches at Euro 2020 who previously played in the Scottish top flight. Did you guys, how many did you know? Are we talking about head coaches or just coaches in general? Not any any coach, yeah. So I had, I think, two or three. I had Sean Maloney. Oh, name it, yeah, Sean Maloney, yeah. That's the only one I knew. Uh, mm-hmm. Off the top of my head. Yeah, one other, but I've gone blank on him now. I'll, well, there's two head sure. coaches. First uh, off, oh, sorry, three, three head Martinez. coaches. Martinez. Martinez, yeah. That was the other one I had, yeah. So Martinez, Maloney, and there's another two head coaches. That played in Scottish football? Mm-hmm. Was Steve Clark no. playing in Scottish football? No. Steve Clark, yeah. He did, yeah. yeah. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. No, nah, Woodgate didn't play up here, did he? Southgate, no. Oh, Southgate, whatever. Same, same, same. Some same English coach. Stupid shit manager, yeah. Nah. <laughs> nah, one, man. One that quit today. Oh, De Boer. Frank De Boer. Yeah. So that's four. You got the two in Belgium uh, Martinez, Maloney, De Boer, and um, uh, Clark. Steve Clark. Clark yeah. yeah. And there was three more. And this is the, the one that made me think to, to write the question was that when I seen him on the bench, I was like, holy shit, there's Morton Vehorst on the bench for Denmark. Uh, so he's the Danish assistant. Uh, and then when I was writing it, I had to research it. And the other two that I found out I didn't know before is Antti Niemi is the Finnish goalkeeper coach. Oh, he's the fucking, he's the keeper that has the famous radio host question. Why are we not putting uh, uh, Niemi and whatever it is in goal? Because he plays for Finland. He's Finnish. Right, so he's yeah, not finished. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Why, is, yeah. Why is Niemi not going to call up for England? Because yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the last one, I didn't expect anyone to get, uh, but because I'm weird, I recognised the name as soon as I saw it. Uh, and that's the North Macedonia fitness coach who played for Wraith Rovers, Livingston, St. Johnson, and East Fife. Uh, Goran Stanich. Would never have got that. If anyone got that, you need to look, send an email to admin <laughs> at celticdownunder.com. Send us your address. And if you can actually be honest about it, I might, I might send you a well done email back, and potentially a pin if our Australia Post lets it happen. But I won't get that email. So yeah, let's see who's a liar. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I, I was going through the list of coaches and I saw the name and I was like, "Holy shit, he played for St Johnston." I was like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> North Macedonian. All right. Yeah. So while 
while you're while you're at it, boys. Final thought for the podcast. John. Yes. Okay. All right. So my final thought, I wrote it down. Um, I think uh, we Celtic fans need to manage our expectations for this transfer window. I think we've lost um, quite a lot of really experienced players. Um, And I've written them down as Lustig, Hayes, Brown, Sinclair, maybe even Forster. They're all 30 plus years old, either now or um, at the time when they played for us. Uh, And we need to replace that experience. And it can't just be young players that we can sell on. It might take three or four seasons. Yep. Sure. And I'm sure some of those signings we'll make in the next few weeks will disagree with that, but also <laughs> need to get a balance. Need a balance. Uh, my, my thought is somewhat related to football. Uh, <laughs> when Billy Gilmore uh, went down with COVID, uh, my thought was, uh, vaccines work. Why the fuck are these footballers not vaccinated? And my final thought is, if Russell Boyce from Axon is listening, this is for you, mate. Everyone get on board the Anjan Donbass. Toot toot. Toot toot. <laughs> All right, toot, everyone. Toot, for... Chugga chugga, big green bus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening in. Uh, we appreciate your support as always. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't. How how? How how? How how? Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.